On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, Neil Witte, the co-author of the Brewers Association Draft Beer Quality Manual, the Draft Beer Quality for Retailers, and a contributing author to the MBAA Beer Steward Handbook, as well as a Master Cicerone, is here to talk about draft lines and best practices during a shutdown, and what can be done with any downtime to set your brewery up for success later on. And then I'll talk with Devin Hoffman of Sightseeker, a digital marketing company, about how small breweries can keep customers engaged from a distance and what to plan for once restrictions are lifted. Hi, this is John Hall, and welcome to the BYO Nano Podcast. Episode 5 has me recording from a modified studio inside of my home office with a view of my neighbor's yard out of the window, a stein of lager at my desk, and at some point you might hear my daughter playing in the background or the dog barking at passersby. It's just one of the ways life has changed in the last few months, but I appreciate you making this show part of your routine. The weather is changing around the country, and we're all itching to get back outside, back to work, back to normal routines, and back to breweries. And it still might be a little bit before all of that happens, and even when restrictions are lifted, things will certainly be different from before. Since this show is all about covering different parts of the brewing industry, especially for small brewers, and it might even give you some hope. This month, we want to look forward to what happens post-COVID. So many small breweries are trying to figure out what comes next, and today's guests are here to offer insight. We'll talk to both of them in a minute, but first I'm really happy to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. With their turnkey 3.5 barrel gas-fired or electric brew house systems starting at only $16,999, you won't find a better match of price, performance, and quality. Hit the ground running with equipment you can count on and support you can trust so you can focus on what matters, return on investment. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more. And this episode is also sponsored by White Labs. White Labs began 20 years ago with the hobby of homebrewing and the simple desire to make something better. They quickly grew into a team of dedicated microbiologists exploring new ways to advance brewing altogether. Today, White Labs is at the forefront of yeast and fermentation, making its products and services accessible to breweries around the world. White Labs, advancing fermentation, cultivating community. Visit whitelabs.com for more. And save the dates on your calendar for this year's NanoCon, taking place in San Diego, November 6th and 7th. I know everybody's worried about travel right now and what's going to happen down the line, but I was talking to BYO publisher Brad Ring earlier this week, and he shared these following thoughts. Brewing education has moved online during the current pandemic. But nothing can really replace the experience of a live event where you can interact with fellow attendees, get your questions answered in person by speakers, and look over and touch brewing equipment and supplies from vendors. NanoCon is scheduled to take place November 6th and 7th in San Diego, and it'll be a wonderful opportunity to, again, hopefully, have a little and fun, safe event that will benefit your small-scale brewing and advance your business knowledge especially as we're in these very complicated and challenging times. So the landscape for small breweries has radically changed in the last couple of months, and it's more important than ever to invest in better understanding and the new brewing business landscape and how to rebuild or launch your small brewery in this new reality. 
So as a result, please don't miss this targeted conference for anyone running or thinking about starting a small-scale craft brewery. Learn the new business, marketing, and brewing strategies targeted for your sized needs at NanoCon, November 6 and 7 in San Diego. From strategies from safely building back taproom sales to lessons learned from the necessities of to-go sales to more accurately managing cash flow during uncertain times, at this conference, you'll learn invaluable and very timely strategies over two days from experts and nano brewers. And please know that your NanoCon registration is refundable, so you can rest easy and sign up with no risk given the times we now all face. Find out more at nanocon.beer. And this show will be there, recording from the conference, so I hope to see you there. And now, let's dive into the show. Just because a brewery taproom is closed to the public does not mean that certain maintenance can be put on pause. As we think about what it means to be closed for a while and what will happen when things reopen, I called up Neil Witte, Master Cicerone, and a draft quality expert to talk about what we should all be thinking about right now and in the future. Neil spoke to me from his house in Missouri. As people start to open back up and slowly start to make their way back into brewery tap rooms, people are going to want to make sure that if they are making that effort to go out, if they're, you know, uh, a lot of people are, you know, very hesitant to go out at all. And so if they are, uh, they better be uh, getting a value for their money. Um, there better be a good reason for them to go out. Um, going out and, you know, into a spot where, you know, a lot of people are just hanging out and the atmosphere is cool is one thing, but if you're not getting a good beer, uh, then people are probably not going to come back. So, you know, quality has always been important, uh, but as part of a complete package and, you know, that complete package is, 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 uh, certainly going to be, uh, you know, necessary, but quality is, I think, going to be a bigger part of this quality and service. Uh, there's going to be an emphasis on, on all of that because there's just not going to be as many players and people are going to be a lot more selective about where they go. Yeah. They're going to be looking for places where they feel safe for one, but of those places where they feel safe going, uh, they better be getting good beer. So, you know, a lot of that goes back to, uh, you know, the, the real, where the rubber meets the road right now is what's happening with the actual draft system. So if you're dependent on draft beer and quality is, you know, one of your top concerns here, then you, know, you need to be thinking about how you've been taking care of your possibly idled system at this point. Um, so, so I want to get to, to the systems in, in, in just a minute, but I, I, I want to back up just a little bit because quality is one of these words that a lot of folks use often. And, and, and I think it's important. It's also something that is, I think, sometimes difficult to define when it comes to beer. I mean, certainly there are established styles. There's established guidelines. How do you mark a beer being of good quality well yeah and that's a and that's a good point and this is you know kind of a, a philosophical discussion in yeah. a certain sense um but at the same time there is some objective uh there there's an objective sense of this 
um, if, you know, most people would agree if you go in and drink, if you go to a tap room and you get an IPA that, uh, it's sour and there, you know, and it's not supposed to be sour. It's not advertised as a sour IPA or however they might build that, then that would be objectively <laughs> bad quality, right? Yeah. Uh, or if it's loaded with diacetyl or, you know, or if it just is stale, if it, you know, it smells like wet paper or wet cardboard, right? So there's that objective quality. And, and to a certain degree, those are some things that are, that have still been happening out there. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, anybody who's been in the business for a while has seen kind of quality kind of wax and wane over the years. And I think, you know, we've been in, with so many breweries and so many people getting into the business uh, who don't have a lot of experience, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of quality issues out there, more so than in previous years. Um, so there's that aspect of it, but then there's there's the more subjective aspect, and and that's when you have to, as a brewery, start really doing a lot of self-examination and putting some effort into uh, examining your own beer beyond just uh, having a beer with your coworkers at the end of the shift, or uh, you know, just sitting down after at the end of the day and drinking one of your beers and saying, "Yeah, this tastes really good. I like this." Um, and that that gets into kind of more the the uh, sensory evaluation aspect in mm-hmm. a in a controlled setting, um, and you know, I. I talk about this a lot, you know, when, uh, with, uh, my quality ambassador talks that I was doing for the Brewers Association. Um, you know, one of the big topics I talked about was, uh, having some type of organized sensory program. And there's, and, uh, you know, this is something that a lot of people associate with larger breweries that have, you know, have, hundred plus employees and you've got these or you know these very well developed highly trained you know well developed programs with highly trained panelists and uh, but having organ an organized sensory program is something that even the smallest degrees can do um, it's just a matter of setting it up in, in the right way and and then if you set up you know blind tastings in the right way where you're comparing your beer to other commercially available examples things that you consider to be benchmarks of the style uh, and and comparing your beers to some of these others in an objective way to get some good feedback from people and you set those tastings up the right way, then you can really start to see how your beers stack up against other beers. And that's, uh, and it's, it's very inexpensive to do as a brewer. Um, and it's, incredibly effective um that's a great way to start to dial in your recipes and dial in uh dial in your beers and and figure out how to make them better Uh, and the breweries that are doing that are the ones that are uh that are constantly improving and the ones that uh, you know are making better beer there are folks who have Downtime's not necessarily the right word right now because you know so many small breweries are struggling to to figure out how to keep the lights on and 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 keep things going. But I, I've also been talking to a lot of brewers who have you know, noticed that the, that their brains are sort of freed up uh, to be thinking about 
long-term things with the business. Um, and it sounds like if, if you don't have a blind tasting panel, if you don't have um, you know, these sort of controls in place to, to, to make better beer, that this is a perfect opportunity to start thinking about that you know, right now. It should have probably been a part of your business plan and uh, opening from day one, but if that horse is out of the barn. Yeah. Um, wh- like, what's a good, you know, first couple of actionable steps that you would encourage brewers that don't have these programs in place to, to pursue? Um, well, I think the, f- the first step is to, uh, you know, just have some basic or organization to how you are tasting your beer and how you're analyzing your beer. Uh, so, you know, the first step would be to, to find someone who is, uh, who's going to take responsibility. So someone to lead the panel. Um, and, and then you need to find panelists, uh, people who are willing to, you know, people who can take time out of their day, take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, and, and sit in an organized tasting panel. Um, and then when you've identified the, the person who's leading the panel and the, and the people who are going to take part, and the people who, need, who are going to take part, it can't just be brewers. Uh, the brewers have very definite ideas about the beer. Their opinions are obviously incredibly important, um, but you need a, a wide perspective of viewpoints. So if it, this could be a, a bartender in the tap room, it could be, um, you know, it could be your bookkeeper. It could be anybody, anybody who's willing to learn and to take part. And when you have those panelists, you, you do some basic training and it doesn't have to be, you know, super intensive, but you train them on what, your beer is uh it sounds kind of silly but it's it's reviewing the beers that reviewing your core beers and you know and teaching them what those beers are uh what your intention is and and getting them familiar with those beers and then train them on a handful of basic off flavors and uh and then you're ready to go there's some basic ways you can organize tasting uh there's you know basic things you know one is called a triangle test where you have uh three samples uh only the person who you know the per- the organizer sets it up uh and they're the only one who knows what the samples are uh but you have three samples two are the same one is different and you just have and you have fill out a basic form that uh you know you know with some basic descriptors and you try and determine which one is different and that's comparing you know one beer to another so it could be uh your beer brewed fresh versus one uh, that same beer that's six months old uh you know and so you're comparing beers that way or you can set them you can set up you know tastings in a way where if you're doing uh comparisons with with other other beers you can do a blind tasting of six different IPAs. So you can take your IPA and put it up against six other IPAs and nobody knows which one is which. Um, and you just have everybody fill out a basic descriptor form and talk about the similarities and differences uh, without knowing the brand names. And then you have a discussion afterwards and you, and you talk about what, what do you like about this one? What do you like about this one? Uh, what don't you like about any given beer? 
and then you figure out what types of things you like or don't like about your own beer and how you can improve. These are some super basic things that you can do without a whole lot of effort. Um, it's just a matter of getting the people organized uh, and actually sitting down and doing it. So really all it costs you is, is the beer and people's time. Um, you know, it doesn't require any fancy equipment. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's software out there that can help you organize the data that mm -hmm. if, if you need that, uh, but you don't even necessarily need that in order to, to have, uh, to get some, some good results that you can work with to, yeah. you know, help you improve your quality. Notebook and pencil still works. Um, exactly. It, as, as, as we start to think about time and we start to think about, um, you know, a lot of tap rooms are empty right now. Um, you know, even if curbside pickup is, uh, is 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 still going with with some gusto, the draft mm -hmm. lines for the most part in breweries right now are sitting dormant, um, mm -hmm. and that will likely be continuing for a while. You know, I think if 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 breweries are allowed to 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 reopen to the public, but maybe only at fifty percent capacity or some states twenty five percent capacity, uh, the amount of draft lines that a brewery is going to be using, you know will likely decrease as well um you know these are sensitive systems in a lot of ways and require some attention when they're not getting the workout that they were used to on a you know daily or maybe just on weekend basis what should brewers be thinking about right now and owners be thinking about right now when it comes to you know, the lines that are in the wall well uh you know the the first thing is that uh you still have to clean your lines even if you're not <laughs> using them regardless of what you have put in the system. And, you know, there's a number of different ways that you can hibernate your system. Um, you know, I worked with the draft quality group and coming up with some recommendations for the Brewers Association. And we put those out uh, a couple months ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's other organizations that put out their own recommendations. So there's any number of ways that you can shut down a system. Um, I actually, I put a, you know, I, I put a video up on my YouTube channel, craft quality solutions, YouTube channel about how to hibernate a system. Okay. Um, and there's, there's, uh, you know, so you can pack it with water. You can blow that water out of the lines and leave it like that. You can leave beer in the lines, but regardless of what you do, you have to clean the system still. So even if you're packing water in the lines, um, there's still going to be microbial growth in there. What you don't want to do is just walk away from your system and not think about it because then you have microbial growth that could proceed to a point where if this goes on long enough, now you can't really fully clean that out. And now you're in a position where you're just getting by, you know, you've made it, through you know the dark times you're you're just getting back open and you know nobody's going to be coming out of this thing after being shut down with you know being flush with cash right the last thing you want to have to do is replace your draft lines because they're infected and you can't get the off flavor out yeah uh, so you know some basic ongoing maintenance is necessary if you're leaving beer in the lines clean them every two weeks just like you've got you know, just like you're using them. Um, if you've packed water in the lines, you can stretch that out a little bit, but you ought to be cleaning on a monthly basis. So, you know, 
anybody who is still shut down at this point has probably been shut down for a couple months at this point. Yeah, at least two. And, yeah. yeah, and needs to be asking themselves if they've cleaned their lines since they shut down. And if not, it's time. Put the podcast on pause, go do it, and then come back to us is the... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. The, the the way to do it um as you start to to start thinking about you know what the future looks like um you, know, you obviously have a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas is there anything that is sort of top of mind for you right now as uh you know what you hope people are thinking about long term i mean i know we talked well, quality we've talked draft lines but is there anything else that sort of comes out that uh yeah i think you know the service and the quality are, are a big part of it. So, you know, the quality of your beer that's, that's coming out, I think, you know, the, and one aspect of that, that I want to touch on before I talk about a couple other things is, sure. uh, is the to go aspect. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, to go is a huge part of, of everybody's model right now. If you're still serving beer, still serving draft beer, crawlers and growlers are, you know, they've been a lifesaver for a lot of places. I mean, personally, it's not, it's not a package that previous to this, I would ever really purchase. I probably did it. I count on one hand, the number of times I bought a, a prowler. Uh, but you know, in the past two months, I, I can't even count how many I've purchased, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to support local breweries. I'm drinking a lot of beer out of crawlers, right? Uh, what was your yeah, aversion to them and, beforehand? I'm sorry. What was your aversion to, to crawlers beforehand? Well, the, my aversion is that it's not the greatest representation of beer. Um, and the times that I would buy a crowler or a growler would be, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going home and I want to drink some of this beer tonight. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect, it's a great package for that. Um, so, you know, it's just because you're, the immediacy of it. But the problem comes when you want to drink it three or four days later, then all of a sudden the beer that you drink is, is compromised. Uh, we, you know, we ran some sensory tests on growler fills through the draft quality group and uh, with a sensory panel at one of, at a large craft brewer. And uh, we did the, the best possible bottom fill CO2 purge growler fill from a tap or the down tube, the whole thing. And, you know, there was the sensory panel noted uh, carbonation loss immediately, not surprising. Yeah. And then also noted that after 72 hours, there was noticeable oxidation. Hmm. Shouldn't be surprising either because you're picking up oxygen, no matter yeah. how hard you try. Um, what we don't see is people communicating this to consumers very much that there's, you know, uh, that there are limitations that when you buy a crowler or a growler, it's not the same as buying a six pack of cans or bottles that are, are packaged on a professional line designed to keep oxygen out. Um, so, you know, that communication, I think, is going to be key moving forward, setting realistic expectations for consumers um, that they need to be consuming this within three days if they want it to be at its at its best and taste fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's some basic things like that. So, uh, you know, storage recommendations, stuff like that, some of the obvious stuff. 
So, you know, I think focusing on that is, is going to be as part of that quality picture, making sure that consumers have the right expectation because if they buy your crawler and they drink it next week and they don't understand, uh, all of these things, then they might just blame you for drinking a bad beer. Well, now yeah. they're going to buy their carry out somewhere else. Um, so, That's interesting. you know, there's yeah. that aspect of it. Uh, no, go ahead. No, 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 please. Uh, well, then I was going to say that, at, you know, the service aspect. So as in, in bar or in the tap room service, as, as people start to show up and, and drink on site again, service is going to be part of that whole quality picture, right? So uh, making feel, people feel comfortable and, and uh, with fewer people out there and an emphasis on quality, uh, good beer service is going to be a part of that too. Um, and I also think that there's going to be, and this maybe is a little more applicable to some, some of the larger craft brewers, um, some, this is a chance uh, for a little bit of a portfolio review. Uh, and now's the time to be flexible about what beers are being put out there on the shelf. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot written in the past couple of months about uh, the the beers that are growing right now and mm-hmm. uh you know it's it's flagship beers it's kind of those old standbys the a lot of these beers that had uh, that were you know flat to down for the past three years are all of a sudden you know growing huge double digit numbers yeah um and a lot of the experimental stuff or some of the, the newer, some of these newer styles, some, some things that people might be going into the store and thinking, hey, that sounds interesting. I'll try that. People are not gravitating towards those as much. So, uh, you know, now's a good time to kind of review what's, uh, what's working and what's not because, you know, some people might see these numbers over the past couple months as a blip uh, on the radar screen, but buyers are going to be looking. We don't know exactly how uh, some of these buyers are going to be looking at this. So now's the time to make those decisions and, and to, uh, and to review your portfolio and see what's working and what's not. Um, and, and being smart about what you're putting out there yeah. because people's buying habits have changed over the past couple months and they, and I don't think we can assume they're just going to snap right back to where they were before this. The, the other thing that I've noticed as well, and I, I, this different from, from, you know, the liquid itself, but the design of beer cans, um, and beer labels when I, when, when the lockdowns first started happening here in New Jersey. Um, I made one or two trips out to the store and now I've completely stopped doing that. But, uh, when I was walking in, you know, usually in the past I would browse the aisles and I would say like, Oh, well, what's this? And you know, who's this brewery? And you know, a lot of the time the, the can art or the label art was, was artistic and, you know, kind of fun to look at, but you had to hunt around to see what kind of style it was, you know, if it was a, you know, an IPA or a stout or, you know, whatever, um, it wasn't immediately apparent. And I, and I realized that when I was in the store, it's like, okay, well there's bells two hearted and I can spot that from across the room. And I know that's going to be good. And, 
you know, I don't have to think about it. I can just grab it and go. And, and a lot of the brewers that I've been talking to in the last couple of months have been asking about like design refreshes. And a lot of people are thinking about that as well of just making it easy to spot on the shelf what's in the package so that if somebody's in the mood for a barley wine or a grisette or whatever, they're going to be able to see that pretty quickly, grab it and, and go because lingering in the beer aisle, I don't think is going to be a thing that'll come back anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Familiarity is, is big, uh, you know, and, and being able to recognize what you've got and also being able to recognize, being able to tell how fresh something is too. You know, I, I, uh, you know, there's, uh, I have an aversion to certain segments of the aisle and I have for a while, uh, because every time I, you know, look at the bottom of the can or find the day code on the bottom, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I don't like what I see, or sometimes I don't see anything at all. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's going to be, Oh, there's, there's stuff that's going to be sitting on the shelf longer now than it was before. That was already maybe a little bit borderline, which now if you don't recognize it, and it ha- and it's been sitting there. Well, maybe it's been sitting there a little bit longer. So you know, reviewing that portfolio again, but also you know, thinking long and hard about whether it's really a good idea to not put a date code on there, or you know, uh, or have a date code that is customer facing, something that the customer can read. I think that that's just it seems super basic, uh, but I'm always really surprised at how many beers on the shelf don't have date codes yeah um, i've started and, to see it on, on the can labels itself which has been fun not necessarily printed at the bottom because you know now that requires picking something up off the shelf and turning it over and looking at it and you know we're not supposed yeah. to be touching things on the shelf anymore so uh until we're ready to make the purchase yeah yeah well that's it's really important stuff i mean it, and all of it just it seems super basic, but I think, you know, some of that is kind of going back to the basics, you know, reexamining what's selling, uh, making sure your stuff is fresh, making sure, making every effort, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's and making sure that when somebody picks up your beer and buys it, that they're having a good experience. Yeah. Because if they're not, they're more likely than ever to not go back to your beer. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Neil, thanks so much for taking the time and talking with us. And uh, you have a new newsletter that's out there. And where can people find that? Yeah, so uh, you can find uh, a – I've been sending out a link to my first one, but you can go to my website at sellgreatbeer.com. That's S-E-L-L-G-R-E-A-T. I was going to say, it's not yeast cell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I I found out very quickly when I got that URL that I'd say, yeah, go to sellgreatbeer.com. And then they're like, I can't find it. Celebrate beer. It takes me somewhere else. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I have to spell that out. All right, yeah, so what, one more time. Can, one more time to spell it out. Yeah, S-E-L-L-G-R-E-A-T-B-E-E-R, sellgreatbeer.com. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, you know, I, I just started it, and it's uh, it's just a little, just some good, a uh, good sampling of some uh, relevant news articles uh, related to the beer business to kind of uh, enlighten you about what's happening, some different perspectives, 
And I'm going to be including some different uh, draft gear tidbits. Draft gear is obviously my specialty. Uh, little draft tips, tricks, and uh, maybe some technical articles in there as well about brewing. So uh, hopefully a little bit of something for anybody who's interested in beer and the beer business. Well, it's uh, we could all use some more education uh, always. So uh, everybody yeah. go sign up. And Neil, thanks again for, for taking the time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks again to this episode's sponsors. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. And White Labs, advancing fermentation, cultivating community. Visit whitelabs.com. So getting your message out to the public has always been a challenge. A strong social media game has always been necessary, and that remains true even now, perhaps more so. So I called up Devin Hoffman, who is a digital marketing specialist at Sightseeker, a digital marketing company, to talk about what small breweries can be doing right now to help them stay top of mind and how the pandemic can also be a chance to reevaluate a brewery's digital presence. Devin spoke to me from his house in upstate New York. So it's interesting. I, I find myself saying more and more these days, um, or, you know, it, the world has changed so dramatically just in the last five months. If we were to look back at the conversations you were having in early January, what were the marketing conversations like then versus the ones that you're having with brewers now? I mean, the biggest, the biggest change um, was how to advertise cool and new on-premise activities and events to how to have no on-premise um, at all in some cases. So, you know, you, you, regardless of size, there's some smaller breweries I've been to that, you know, still have an outside festival that gets you know, two, 300 people. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, locally in, in the Saranac um, has their summer series, Saranac Thursday could get two, 3000 people. Um, or there's the, the road race that finishes in the back parking lot of the brewery. The Boilermaker has 30,000 people. Yeah. Um, and then you go festivals is state by state, you know, all the different festivals, you know, tap and, and things like that. Um, Tap where, New York. That's the that's the state festival for all of the breweries there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, in New York. And and so there was always so from a brewery to brewery level or what the associations are putting on, you know, it's a how do we get more people to this um, to this festival or to this event we're going to be doing, and so it's kind of saying okay, well, what can you do in social? What can you do in, you know. Um, in Google and in these kind of things where then that shifted and it was like, okay, all those types of events were either canceled outright or postponed. Um, unfortunately you get the ones where it's like, they're, you know, they're kind of chasing uh, their own shadow where it's, they're postponing it. And now the postponed date has come and gone, yeah. you know, where they postponed it three weeks just to see, and you can only kind of keep kicking the can down the road like that. Um, where then they ended up being canceled or, or things of that sort. And so, 
you know, the words that I've seen the most pivot, new normal, hybrid, those kind of things. Um, but that was now of a, you know, rather than just say, okay, I'm going to close all the curtains and turn the lights off and sit here and wait until I'm told that I can open them back up and unlock the door. What can I do to um, keep my customers engaged and keep me, keep them kind of excited in a sense and keep me in the, you know, in the know. Right. And I mean, right now with so many breweries on modified schedules or doing curbside or doing to go, um, and especially because it is so difficult for so many people to get out of their house and, and, and get to a place. Um, I'm imagining that from the marketing standpoint, you're talking with folks about, you know, like the enticements, um, but also sort of level, like balancing that with, with safety, right? Not only of the customers, but also of the employees. Um, is, are, are there narratives that work in the situation, you know, to sort of convey what a brewery is doing? Yeah, um, no, and that, that's a, a great question and a great point. And, and honestly, I'll say kind of right out of the gate, um, the two things that I kind of said, hey, listen, here's what to keep in mind as you make your decisions or as you, um, and, and it's one of those, like whichever decision you're making that's best for the safety and health of, of your staff, yourself and your business, you know, is one that people will you know, appreciate. So if you've gone to the route I've seen of 100% contactless, where I either place the order on my phone, or I call and give them a credit card over the phone where my my order is placed, I arrive, I pull up, I call them, I say, I'm here, red Jeep, I pop my trunk, they bring it out, they put it in the trunk. If there was a question of if I'm 21 or not, they could, you know, ask for my ID through the window. Um, there is no question in looking at me that I'm 21 years old. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, been, it's been a while. Yeah. Since <laughs> I've been carded as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so they'll close the trunk and, you know, and I have the product in my back and, um, and no, uh, um, you know, fully non-contact, whereas other ones, you know, I'm able to go in and, um, you know, fill a growler and it's a very fast process, social distancing, you know, in place. Um, but so, you know, if step one is making the decision of what your current or new um, or adjusted approach is going to be, then step two is just making sure you're communicating that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, because the most difficult thing is kind of that guess, that guessing game of, you know, I can hop on Google, I can hop on Facebook and say, okay, it says they're open. 11 to midnight but i'm assuming that was their old hours um so i don't see anything talking about pickup times i don't really know what i'm supposed to do and it's just like is you know i i said i I always used to be very firm believer in quality over quantity when it comes to content and posting stuff Mm -hmm. and i i said when this started i'm I'm temporarily suspending that (laughs) belief and saying that quantity is important right now because there's so much content going out there that organically you're it's going to be very difficult to see you know one post over the other um now i'll say quality quantity (laughs) is is you know idea where it's like you know still trying if you're using pictures or things like that you know still um put a little bit of of 
flair or effort of sorts into it. But uh, but there was a lot of like, you know, and, and just for myself as a as a consumer, you know, around me, I have three or four breweries that are, you know, I, I'm, I'm not terrified of making a 10 minute drive to see if, uh, you know, if they're open and, and, you know, being able to do a pickup. But if I do, you know, if I wanted to venture out to a place that was an hour and a half from here um, or something like that, you know, I, I'd want to make sure if I needed to place the order ahead of time because it's contactless or those kind of things that um, that I've just been able, you know, that that I've been given the tools to know that. And so that's why it's just, you know, kind of communicate what your approach is right now, because what I've always said is just as uncharted of territory this is for the breweries it's kind of the same for me as a, as a consumer, you know what I mean? And, and so I'll, I'll wear a mask and I'll, I'll do the proper distancing, yeah. um, but because it's different place by place of how I can place an order, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's almost that element of anxiety where if I don't know going in, you know, I, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to pass for now kind of thing. How, how much should personality be playing into this right now? Because I, I know that there's some breweries that, you know, especially the smaller you are, like you're, you're a small business owner, you're wearing a lot of hats, you're probably brewing, you're probably running, you know, the curbside, um, you know, and social media and, and, and marketing might not be your first priority or your first level, your first understanding. Um, but is there... Is there a marked difference, do you think, in the way that consumers react when it comes to something that has a little bit of personality to it versus just, hey, we're open today from noon to five for to-go orders and this is what we have? Um, or is right now, is that all people need? Um, no, that, that's a great point. And I think personality is, is crucial. Um, and I think that's, I mean, that's why I love this industry so much. And that's why I love visiting breweries is because you know, no two are alike. You know, if, if every brewery made the same six beers and told me the same story and looked the same, I would just go to the closest one. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's cool going to one, you know, I, I like trying to understand why it's, why it's named that, or, or, you know, is there some significance to the building you're in or the street you're on? And like, there's so much personality that bubbles up into even the names of their beers. And, you know, if it's, cans and labels and designs and just you know what the the reasoning and meaning was behind like that art and so you know early on i said kind of to your question earlier you know in january in december last year why were people excited to come visit you whatever your answer to that question is should still be your driving kind of focus now you know what i mean if if you you know, if, if there was some type of experience that people had kind of uh, being in your tap room, what are the ways that you can still create that experience from afar or, yeah. you know, and, and so much of it early. And I still think this is the case. People have, have adjusted a little bit more to being at home, but people were looking for, you know, something to do that wasn't sitting on the couch and watching Netflix or if they were sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, just having almost a sarcastic difference to it, you know? And, and one of the things we saw, um, which was just a really kind of clever and, and easy ideas is uh, breweries started rolling out um, Netflix and uh, beer pairings. And it said, okay, you're going to sit down and watch Tiger King. Well, then you're going to want to have our, 
you know, our double IPA, it's got a real bite to it. It takes, you know, 10 seconds to, <laughs> to kind of put that type of, uh, phraseology together but but it like i was like hey you know what i am watching tiger king that was funny i want this you know yeah um or one of the things is is i saw you know i I still um you know i've seen places that have have kind of named their um you know done limited release and the um the names are kind of based in the current situation so i saw one brewery out of buffalo had a social distancing series and it was like six foot lager and home haircut IPA or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Springdale, a part of Jack's Abbey in Massachusetts, just did a double IPA called quarantined and you, uh, <laughs> which I thought was pretty clever. Um, but and yeah, I think was... I actually, and I, I just saw scrolling. I, I loved it in uh, Bronx brewery had now used can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> I love the use of the accent there. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and obviously, you know, I, I've seen a lot of breweries, uh, market out, um, uh, discounts for frontline workers and healthcare workers and, uh, you know, talking about, you know, charitable donations or, you know, turning their beer into hand sanitizer, um, you know, old draft beer, that, that kind of thing. Um, I, I, I imagine that this is also a pretty good opportunity to be marketing yourself to, um, folks that might not have been aware of the brewery beforehand, but that you can sort of capture their attention, you know, through non beer things or through non like recipe things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I, I kind of felt, and, and this is like at a very top level, but early on, I said, I feel like, um, breweries are kind of able to split into two brackets. Um, one bracket is they can still do some sort of business, whether it's um, to go curbside delivery depends on the area or, or what they're able to do food perhaps. Um, and those who, who can't, those who just said uh, just for the time being, we're going to close the doors until we can open back up just because of their, you know, their unique circumstances and um and it was kind of like okay for those who can you know continue to do business in in some way or some regard um obviously that's focus number one but then for both of them what can we do now that we're not just letting this time go by us you know and so that's when again you know it kind of came back to this idea of, of content, content is king. And in the digital space, you know, the, the more you have just even from, um, you know, excitement, uh, or just, just any, anything to, to kind of put your brand in, in front of people, it was do that. You know, if you're closed, but you're still doing a new brew, then have someone record it and like do a brewing series, you know, and then down the road, you can, you know, say we use this time. And so someone who's searching for videos on brewing, um, you know, can find yours. It'll inter- introduce you to a new customer, them to a, a new brewery. And it was something you were doing during this time that didn't go, um, you know, kind of unused. And then to the point you said, which is a perfect example of those who, who said, you know what, I'm going to step up um, and, and I loved when I started seeing the number of places that were rolling out um, hand sanitizer or, um, 
you know, support places that did food and it says, you know, we're going to close our kitchen for to-go orders for this week. We're still making food, but we're delivering it to our local hospitals and yeah. things like that. Um, it, it was, you know, great to see. And it was just, you know, another reason to, to kind of love the industry. Um, but that's another thing where people are going to be, you know, right now it's kind of that, you know, I'm, I'm supporting you from afar with applauds and shares. Um, when I have the opportunity to, I will support you from up close with business and pints. Um, but I just, you know, in a sense, I, I need to know that what you're up to. Sure. As we start to wrap up here, I'm I'm curious as to, you know, everybody keeps talking about the new normal or uh, when the world reopens and, and, and things like that. Are, I know a lot of small businesses right now are thinking about what the future looks like. Um, and they're thinking about obviously you know, staffing and um, you know, all, all sorts of things to sort of keep the lights on. Uh, is there one or two things that you think they should be thinking about when it comes to digital marketing um, for the long term right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, I think what it is and it's and I, I think some have been thinking about it or, or recognize it and, and some kind of haven't yet. But um, but there isn't going to be a if you build it, they will come type of reopening, you know, um, it's probably depending on the areas, depending on the regions, um, you know, places are going to have to open at 25% capacity, uh, then to 50 with distancing. But the, the truth is, is even those who would want to go back to a place aren't necessarily going to, they're going to say, I'm actually going to wait a couple more, you know, weeks or months or maybe even year years. Um, so, that's when I kind of say that that word hybrid, where if you're like, yeah, during this six, seven, eight week period, we did, you know, we were known for having live music every Wednesday. So during that time, instead, we would have it be live on Facebook. You know, mm -hmm. there's no one in the tap room, but the guitars came in and played a live set. So that that was cool. I liked seeing that. I saw people share that to their TVs and uh yeah. And have the beer. And, and that was like, again, it gave them that sense of normalcy that they were missing. Um, so now the question is, you, you almost have to do both. If you can be open and you can have 25 or 50 percent, you know, distance with spaces in between them and groups under 10, depending on, you know, what they're able to do. And you're like, OK, we're starting live music up again on Wednesday. Now it's going to be a question of that's great. And the people are going to come and they're going to enjoy it, but you also are probably going to need to do the Facebook live portion of it. Sure. Um, if you were doing a virtual event, like we've seen people where um, at least here in New York, they, um, they temporarily shifted the guidelines so that you could ship beer within the state. So places were like, we're going to do a virtual tour on this date at this time, we'll give you zoom information and, uh, and they would mail it. beer yeah. to these people who got tickets. And so I'm sitting at my computer and like on a tour with the, you know, kind of thing. It was, it was cool. And now it's like, okay, well, how can you do both where maybe me and two of my friends are at the brewery with the brewer holding a beer, but one of my other friends who's just not ready to go out yet is kind of there with us just virtually, you know, and that's really where that it hits it in new normal and hybrid is what is it that, you know, you can't go back to February 1st's approach to how you ran things. So you kind of have to say, okay, what were we doing 
before this started? What were we doing during this started? Now, how do we do both? A lot to think about there. Devin Hoffman is a digital marketing specialist with SiteSeeker, which is a digital marketing company. Uh, Devin, thanks so much for sitting down and taking time on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, for having me and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. As we close out this episode of the BYO Nano podcast, our thanks to this episode's sponsors, Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. With our turnkey 3.5 barrel gas-fired or electric brew house systems starting at only 16999 you won't find a better match of price, performance, and quality. Hit the ground running with equipment you can count on and support you can trust so you can focus on what matters, your return on investment. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more. This episode is also sponsored by White Labs. White Labs began 25 years ago with the hobby of homebrewing and the simple desire to make something better. They quickly grew into a team of dedicated microbiologists exploring new ways to advance brewing altogether. Today, White Labs is at the forefront of yeast and fermentation, making its products and services accessible to breweries around the world. White Labs, advancing fermentation, cultivating community. Visit whitelabs.com. And while my neighbor outside of the window decides that this is a good time to cut his grass, I think it's a good time to remind you to put NanoCon on your calendar, taking place in San Diego, November 6th and 7th. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity to, again, hopefully, uh, have a live and safe environment that will benefit your small-scale brewing and business knowledge coming out of these very challenging times. The landscape for small-scale craft breweries has radically changed in the last two months, and it's more important than ever to invest in better understanding the new brewing business landscape and how to best rebuild or launch your small brewery in this new reality. So don't miss this targeted conference for anyone running or thinking about starting a small-scale craft brewery. Learn the new business, marketing, and brewing strategies targeted for your sized needs at NanoCon, November 6th and 7th in San Diego. From strategies to safely building back taproom sales to lessons learned from the necessities of to-go sales to more accurately managing cash flow during uncertain times, you'll learn invaluable and very timely strategies over two days from experts and nano-brewers. The show will be there recording from the conference, and so I hope to see you there. And in the coming weeks on this show, we're going to be headed back to talk to some breweries and especially nano breweries about what's happening within their walls. So if you have suggestions on who you think I should be talking with, or if you want to learn more, you can get in touch via our website or by emailing nano at BYO.com. The website though, you can head over to is BYO.com slash nano podcast. There you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine and catch up with great home brewing content. Thanks for supporting real independent journalism. New episodes of the show are released on the 15th of each month, so subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at byo.com or by following and interacting with us on all of the BYO social media channels. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast as well as Steal This Beer. I hope you'll tune into those and our thanks to Scott McCampbell. He supplied the music for this show. And once again, please make sure to check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all your nano brewing needs. 
For now, I'm going to let my neighbor get back to using his weed whacker around uh, the fine edges of his lawn, and I'm going to wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day. Thanks so much for listening in.